I'm all for being scrappy and I'm all for bootstrapping, but there's going to come a time when you're going to need to make your first hire because you cannot do it all. You will burn out quickly like I did. And then you will make the decision, well, maybe I should have just stayed in corporate. And that's because in corporate, you have co-workers, you have a manager, everybody has a piece of the puzzle that they're working on. You have to hire the players to do the different pieces of the puzzle of your business. You can't afford not to. Welcome to Seeking Satisfaction, a podcast that encourages you to live inspired, embrace imperfection, and seek satisfaction. I'm your host, Jennifer Bourne, freelance business mentor, course creator, and agency owner. Today, I work with clients I love, do fulfilling work, and have the freedom to live the life of my choosing. But things weren't always sunshine and roses, which is why this podcast looks at the systems that power successful businesses and fulfilled lives, going behind the scenes with entrepreneurs, freelancers, and professionals to discover how they juggle work and life, manage clients and kids handle stress and tackle unexpected challenges. If you are seeking greater satisfaction in your work and your life, you are in the right place. Today, I am here with Twana Tolliver, creative business coach and founder of She Creates Collective, a coaching collective dedicated to providing ambitious women currently in accidental corporate careers with practical strategies so they can turn their creativity into profitable businesses. Thank you so much for joining me, Twana. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. I'm so excited to be here. Now, I want some background details. You got started as an Aveda-trained esthetician. You founded your own beauty brand, created a signature coaching program, and you've got a podcast, but you didn't start all of these things at one time. What did your journey look like? It's so funny that you said, oh, you started as an Aveda-trained esthetician. Actually, I didn't. I started in corporate. I was what I like to call a corporate misfit. I've been a creative since the day I came out of the womb. I was the kid that anytime he said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, oh, I'm going to perform. I was going to dance. One day I was going to sing. One day I was going to be an actress. I would be a fashion designer. I never said doctor. I never said lawyer. <laughs> I never said corporate, but I ended up in corporate. I, I went to art school and realized I couldn't draw. Oh my gosh. I went to, to design school and also realized I can't draw. It was actually a really prestigious art and design school in New York. And I loved it. And it was like a program that they had just started for underserved, underprivileged young folks. And I got into the program. It was hard for me to stick it out because I just couldn't draw it. I was like, no, maybe this is not for me. Maybe this creative stuff is not for me. And I don't want to be a starving artist. There are so many people that perpetuate that notion of starving artists, that if you're creative and you're going to go into something creative, that you're going to be poor. So not true. It doesn't have to be, at least. It doesn't have to be at all. And I didn't know that back then. This was 20 years ago. And I'm a Generation X. And I was told, you know, no, you get your good job. You get your good job, girl. Your good job. So I left the art design school went to a senior community college that was well-known for business. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this business thing. And my college happened to be next to this huge office building that was gorgeous in New York City. It was known for its gold dome. And I would walk by it every day. And I remember I would see women that looked like me in suits and they looked like they had this commanding presence. And I was like, okay, I could do this. Oh, does she look like she's making money? She ain't starving. She's doing good. And I ended up working in that company. They sold insurance. It was a big time insurance company. They've been around 100 plus years. And I was a corporate misfit from the day that I walked in the building. Isn't it funny how we see this idea of success? 
We see people and we think, I want that, but not necessarily how we're going to get there. I had a really similar experience in college. They'd bring in these marketing and advertising firms and I would see these women in their power suits and they're so successful. I thought someday that's going to be me. And I went through college thinking my goal was going to be climbing the agency ladder in the advertising world to eventually be an account exec, a creative director, like something in that world until I interviewed with an ad agency and it was one I wanted to be a part of so bad. The man that was interviewing me said, you are too confident and assertive and aggressive as a female to be successful here. Wow. That crushed me. And that was it. I was done. But it's funny. We see these pictures of what success looks like and we kind of get that burned in our brain a little bit. Oh, it's burned. I was so crushed. But now I look back and I'm thinking, thank goodness you were such a jerk because it really pushed me into the direction that I went in today. Now, you say you were a corporate misfit. I think this is super relatable for so many people that end up in careers for all different reasons. You start making good money and then you got bills to pay and you almost feel stuck a little bit. And making that transition out can be super tough. How did you navigate that? My solution was always to just leave that company and go to another one. And every time I started a new job, I was like, this one is going to be different. This one is going to be better. And it may have been a little better, but I was still a corporate misfit. I was still the one who broke all of the rules like a pro. (laughs) I was the one that was in all the meetings with all the ideas. I was like, oh no, we should be doing this. I was the creative Like if there was a party that needs to be planned or something, I was like, I'll do it because I knew that they could give me the Amex card and I could just like, oh, this is going to be gorgeous. I was that one. And I was in insurance and finance. And there was nothing creative about those industries unless you're stealing money. I needed to unleash the creativity in me so bad. So I never forget, it was like 2003 and I picked up this book called How to Make Your Own Cosmetics. Thought I was reading it just for myself to make stuff for myself because I realized there was a hole in the market, but I didn't think about filling it. I just wanted to make stuff for myself. I felt like body care was an afterthought and there was nothing on the market that didn't smell like apples and grapes or whatever, nothing pure. And everything made me sneeze. Like my friends would tease me. Where's your lotion? Why are your hands always not moisturized? I was like, because I can't find anything that I really like. So I got this book and I loved it. I read it in a day and I'm just ordering stuff. I had to order shea butter from like Africa and it came in this like huge pail and I had to pick customs. I remember being in my kitchen, like the doctor that created Frankenstein because I was like, oh my God, when I made an emotion and I was like, oh, look at this. And I was just giving it to people. This is what I teach in my Zero to Indie Beauty brand, which is the signature coaching program that I have because there was no social media. I literally woke up one day and I told myself, I'm really going to start this beauty brand. And he was like, oh, I thought you were making it for yourself. I was like, oh no, this is going to be big. I'm selling this stuff. So I would make certain things and then I would just give it to anybody, not just friends and family, even people in the street. I was just like, try this and let me know if you like it. Email me. And finally there was something happening. It was this huge shopping event and they had vendors and you could rent tables and it was supposed to be elite. Like you had to have like your business three or five years. And I was like, oh, I'm getting in there. I filled out the application. And I got in, paid the fee. I recruited every friend that I could think of. I made shirts. This is going to be like my business has been around for three to five years. I had these beautiful clipboards that I gave to all of my friends. 
They were like, oh, I thought you just wanted us at the table. I was like, no, I need y'all to go around and get people's email addresses and give them the samples. I was making this stuff myself, so it wasn't pretty. But I used this like a sales tactic. I was like, this is fresh. That's why it looks like this. You were pounding the pavement old school style. I pounded the pavement in person. I pre-sold my stuff before I hired any kind of cosmetic chemist or manufacturer. I pounded that pavement. I went to all the events. And when I started to really love what I was doing, I ended up emailing the woman who wrote the book and she became my mentor. And she introduced me to aromatherapy. Everything just happened so fast. And then I was like, I don't want to even have more like credibility in this industry. I don't want to be a licensed esthetician and I need to go to the most prestigious schools. I was like, oh, Aveda. I'm going to Aveda and went there, but I still had my corporate job and I was making money with business and that Tory Birch Foundation had just started and she would have all of these events and workshops and different mentoring sessions. And she even had a connection with Axion and I've got a loan from them. I was just doing so well. I was getting all this mentorship and my business was doing well. And I still had the mindset that my corporate job was the secure thing. Like this was still a sign. And then no matter how well I was doing, when I was doing well. And so when I got burned out, I was just like, oh, I have to make a choice. And I chose my corporate job and I dissolved my business. Oh my gosh. I dissolved that business and just was like, I'm just not going to think about it. And it wasn't until years later when I finally left corporate and went to nonprofit. I was like, okay, I'm still miserable. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't do this anymore. I had to mourn the loss of my business. I never mourned it. And that's when I said, okay, I need to make sure that women like me that really want to do something outside the confines of a corporate office, like they really, they have to unleash this creativity, can leave and they can do their own thing. It's hard. When I did Body Blesses, yes, it was growing. And people were like, I don't want my business to scale. You always see it on Instagram. But there is a certain kind of person you have to become when your business scales. Oh, I love the fact that you just said that. Yeah. And people was like, oh, my business is getting six figures, seven figures, all that. You have to become a certain person. Your mindset has to be different. I've heard Oprah say before, I always knew how to handle my paycheck when I was making like $38,000 a year, but nobody told me how to manage a billion dollars, right? There's a difference. That's why a lot of people that hit the lotto lose their money in a couple of years. You have to learn how to manage not only money, your time. When I really decided to leave and started to do my own thing, I realized that I needed structure. But I was like, no, you fought against the structure. No, no structure. I think that's a super misnomer of people where you dream of starting your own thing and leaving the job that is weighing you down. And you think the freedom, I'll be able to sleep in and do whatever I want and work on my own time schedule. And it's not until you get into it that you realize, oh, there's a schedule for a reason. Oh, yes. There's a schedule. I need structure. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to coach. I'm going to teach women how to start their own business. And I was just like, wait, I have to still manage myself. I have to manage my time. I have to manage my relationships. My daughters were grown and I was so excited. For folks that are empty nesters, there's another level to being a parent to adult children. Well, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about because you just moved too. Moving is one of the most stressful things that I think anybody can do. And then you had this transition to having adult kids. And it's very different being a parent of adult kids versus young kids. 
And I'm in this weird transition. My son is a sophomore in high school. My daughter's in college. We're navigating this slow burn and I see it coming. And that phase of life is so interesting because one, you have to change the way you're parenting. But two, you also all of a sudden have all this time that you were dedicating to your kids. How has that transition been for you? It was interesting. It was different. And it was the time that I realized that I really needed some kind of structure in place because I tried everything. I tried working in front of the TV. Then I tried the nine to five because I'm the boss. So I'm going to do nine to five. That did not work at all. And then I was like, well, maybe I'm a night owl. So I tried that, especially when I first started podcasting. You can listen to some of my really early episodes. You're like, watch when she slurred her words. I was like, because I was tired. It was like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I've tried everything. And it wasn't until I finally had a coach that said, you know what, Tawana, you really need to stop looking at what other people are doing and just find out what works for you and how you prefer to work. I actually am a morning person, but I'm not a morning person where I get up and I go straight to work. So there are things that I have to do first to get into the flow of work. And that is movement, whether it's taking a walk, going to the gym, um, prayer and meditation. I have to do that. I like to read first and I like to clear, just put on aromatherapies. I listen to music. So I have to get into a flow. And that's something that I couldn't do when I was working in corporate. It was just like fast mornings. Well, one thing that has been consistent across almost every conversation that I've had for this podcast has been how important morning routines and morning rituals and that experience is in setting the intentions of showing up as your best self every day. But you said something I want to go back to. You mentioned that your coach said, you've got to stop comparing yourself to other people and find what works best for you. There are a lot of gurus out there who have a lot of different ways that they feel you should be doing things. And if you do it just like them, magically, you can have all the success that they've had. But not everything that works for them is going to work for you. What advice do you have for people who are in that stage of watching all the gurus and trying to figure out their groove? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because you would drive yourself crazy trying to do what everyone is doing, even your coach. And what I tell my clients is that you want to be completely at ease at what you're doing. And what I mean by that is, yes, entrepreneurship is hard. It's a journey in self-reflection. You have to really sit down and admit to yourself what it is that you love and what it is that you don't love especially if you're coming from corporate or academics or some really highly structured organization. I don't care if you write it down and just scratch out. Uh, I have a friend who was smarter than me because she had one corporate job and was like, this is not for me. The reason why she said that is because she suffered from um, anxiety in the morning and she was always late. Some people take folks being late as they're lazy or they're not good with time management. But there are some people, for whatever reason, have to have a morning routine because it, it works for them mentally and emotionally. Oh, I feel this in my core. That was me for several years when I didn't realize I had a dairy allergy. It was causing all kinds of havoc and having to leave the house amidst all that havoc was creating so much anxiety. If I had to leave the house before 10 a.m., I would break out in sweats and start to panic. 
I didn't know if I could do it. I stopped booking any flights in the morning. It's very real and nobody thinks about that. So when I talked to my clients, I was like, I want you to work the way you're going to be at most ease. You set the boundaries for your business. You set the hours, even with your clients. I have clients that I coach. I have 12-week coaching program and now I have VIP days. I set my VIP days. And if you want to work with me, I tell you the days that I'm available. If you say, can we have a VIP day at six o'clock in the evening? I'm not going to be good to you. And I'm not going to take your money because I know where I'm at my best. And it's usually early in the morning. So I know what works for me. And I tell my clients the same thing. I know, especially in the beginning, when I started my online business, we had the, I don't want to say their names, but you know who they are. The gurus, you know, the hustle hard and you working on Saturdays you should be working on Sunday. It's that message of hustle while everybody else is sleeping. And I'm like, no, sleep. No, I'm sleeping. I did that for years and it was horrible. Yes, I know. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for my body. I need sleep. I like sleep and I'm a creative. And when I'm tired and I'm not well rested, I can't create. <laughs> I've heard the silliest things like there's no time for showers. I get most of my ideas from the shower. I got an idea literally this morning out of the shower. I think there's this notion that people that say they're creative must be creative all the time. And that is not true at all. And it's in those moments of rest where you take a break and you do other things and you let your mind wander, which is why we get those great ideas in the shower or driving or while you're coloring or building Legos or cooking or doing other things because your brain has a chance to make all those connections and do all the things it has to do. Now, I know you have the principles of the new C-suite that you use in your coaching, that you use in your VIP days. Tell us a little bit about what that means. What is the new C-suite? I came up with the new C-suite because, again, I came from corporate, 15 years in corporate. A lot of my clients come from corporate. They go from corporate mis misfits to corporate refugees. <laughs> and I came up with this set of principles to help you go from corporate to creative entrepreneurship. And the first principle is power, because when you get hired somewhere, you get indoctrinated into their mantra, their values, their belief systems, even if it's not your own. And when you leave, it is so hard for you to even realize what your values and your belief systems are, especially if it's completely opposite of where you were working. Like I have friends that have been at an organization for 20 years and they literally just speak just like that. So it the PD, what is your position? What is your values? What are your beliefs? And stand in that power. It's so hard for people to do that. Not only coming from corporate, but because of social media, there's so much noise and so many messages. Some messages are great and some are not. I love that you brought up social media too. We were joking a little bit before we started this conversation about how often what we see on social isn't necessarily reality. It's perceived reality. It's very crafted reality. It's easy when you're starting your business to get caught up in that comparison, watching what other people are doing and feeling like if I'm not at that level yet, if my business isn't all the way there yet, if I am not working at a certain level or my brand doesn't look a certain way, I got to wait. 
What do you say for people who are struggling to find their own voice, their own power, to figure out their position in the market? They're watching other people and they're really struggling to figure out who am I as a business owner or as a creative? That's a good question. And that's why out of the five P's, prepare is not one of them. What I suggest is that, and I suggest this to clients, and I did the same exercise. A lot of the people that you follow or that you admire, I want you to go back on their social media and I mean all the way back from the beginning before they found their voice. Oh my gosh, that's such a great piece of advice. That's why I don't archive anything. I've seen that suggestion like, oh, once you really start getting known and you start getting followers, archive or delete stuff. And I don't, I don't delete anything. I don't archive anything and even do it for yourself as you start to really make headway in your business, you start speaking, go back and look. When I first decided to really leave, I didn't immediately go into coaching. I wanted to do social media management. I wanted to work with influencers. I worked with an influencer for like five years. So you'll go back and see how I evolved, how my message evolved, and how my business evolved. However, you will see the core message from the beginning. You can definitely do things outside of your work. Even if I would say side hustle, you know, I was still had this core message that I really want you to be able to define a life outside of your job. Even if I didn't know how to articulate it at the time, I knew what was in my heart and that's okay. And that's actually what you should do. I've done that before where I found somebody that I'm like, wow, they've really got it together. But you scroll and you're checking out their feed and then you get to this point where all of a sudden things look a little different. And you're like, oh, this was your before. They were just like me. I could do this. And I love that you don't delete your old stuff. I thought about doing that. The first videos I ever shot for my business were so awful. The lighting is bad. The background is bad. My delivery is bad. The sound is bad. And when I got everything dialed in and I'm like, okay, this feels a lot better. I should go back and delete those. And I didn't. I left them because it has been so powerful to sit with my clients and programs that I run a content creators club and profitable project plan. And when people are saying, I can't put it out there yet. It's not right. It's not perfect. I'm like, go to this URL. Look at this terrible video that is still on my website. There's always going to be the first step. And the first step is never going to be the best. It's never. I don't even care if you hire a professional. And that's another suggestion. Try not to hire too many professionals in the beginning because you may not even know what you want to say. I had a client and she was like, I hired a really great designer for my website. And I said, oh, great. Is it done? No, she's been working on it for a while. She's waiting for stuff from me. And I'm like, what is she waiting for? She said pictures. She was like, oh, I'm getting my photo shoot. But I was like, oh, okay. What about your copy? And she said, What's that? I was like, can you go to this website? What do you see? Pictures. I was like, what else do you see? He said words. I was like, oh, the bane of every web designer's existence, the copy. I have had that conversation with people so many times who reached out about working with me to build their website. I could take your money, but really you're, you're too early. There is something to be said for being scrappy at the beginning and just getting out there and sharing your message and gathering feedback because so much clarity comes from taking action and testing the waters and seeing what sticks and what doesn't and what resonates and what doesn't. And you need some of that clarity before you're going to spend all the money on the pros. That's why one of the P's in the new C-suite is pre-sale. And I mean pre-sale everything. 
love it. Whatever it is that you feel you want to do, precept. My very first episode of the podcast was called Memes and Things. Initially, I just wanted to challenge all of the stories to tell ourselves, stories we heard, narratives, and even stuff that we see on social media. And there was this particular meme that was going around that drove me crazy. When you work, work quietly behind the scenes. I was just like, how is that possible? When I started Body Blessing, I told everybody about Body Blessing. I had nothing. I had no lady. You know how many folks that I've spoken to that want to start a beauty brand and they thought of a name and then they hire someone to do labels, which is one of the most expensive part of starting a beauty brand and then realize that it needs to be changed. And there's nothing that you can do but start all again. So I had none of that. I had no labels. I got some little jars from the craft store and samples and was giving it out to people. And I just knew what my message was. This is something that does not smell like everything else that's on the market. It is pure essential oils. And it comes to the next P, which is problem. You know, if anyone says you have to solve a problem. Yes, you do have to solve a problem. But sometimes you have to let people know there is a problem. You have to educate. A lot of times people don't know there's a problem. Everybody was like, oh, I'm using the, uh, I don't want to say the brands, but they were popular brands at the time. And they were just like, oh my Lord, you sit on a train and you're like, what is that smell, girl? No one knew really what aromatherapy was. Nobody knew that there was a difference between fragrance oils and essential oils, at least not in my age range at the time. And I had to educate folks and I, I had to tell them there was a difference. You know, at the time there was, there was no term. Clean beauty was not a term. So people would slap natural on the jar with fragrance oils. And people were just sneezing, itching and breaking out and still slathering it all. <laughs> it was similar to secondhand smoke. Like I wouldn't wear it, but I was sitting next to a girl slathering it on and I start sneezing. So I had to educate folks. And so sometimes you want to solve a problem in the marketplace, but you have to educate folks that there is a problem. That is part of Renew C-Suite as well. And then the last piece, the piece that's really important, which is why I dissolved my business is because I did not ask for help. Besides the initial time where I had that first community event and I gathered all my girlfriends, but there comes a time in your business where you need players. You need help. I get that, you know, I'm all for being scrappy and I'm all for bootstrapping, but there's going to come a time where you're going to need to make your first hire. You need to hire someone because you cannot do it all. You will burn out quickly like I did. And then you will make the decision, well, maybe I should have just stayed in corporate. And that's because in corporate, you have co-workers, you have a manager. Everybody has a piece of the puzzle that they're working on. You have to hire the players to do the different pieces of the puzzle of your business. You can't afford not to. One of the things that really makes you unique is that you did the whole build a business, create a product, pound the pavement, get out there, get partnerships, get mentors before social media was a thing, and then decided later in your career to exit corporate and then do it with be able to leverage social and to do all of those things. You entered business in two very completely different environments and worlds of connectivity and reach, which I think makes your perspective on business really unique and interesting. And that's one of the things that you bring to your work with clients who want to leave corporate and transition to creative entrepreneurship, right? You created your own signature coaching program that you walked people through to build a beauty brand. And now you're working with women in VIP days, 
Tell me about that change over to your VIP days. Yeah. So this is a new offering I decided to do because I, I had a beauty brand. So that's my expertise. However, I do get a lot of women who don't particularly want to start a beauty brand, but they do have a desire to leave corporate. They just don't know the first step. They don't know what to do. And a lot of times they do have an idea for some kind of creative endeavor. Sometimes you don't necessarily need 12 weeks of coaching right away. And so what you need, you need a strategy. And so I turned the new C-suite into a strategy because a lot of times I get these women and they may have several ideas and they have to get them out of their head and figure out which one will be profitable, which one makes sense for them, how they can do this. And when we work together for six hours and I give them a living document, a strategy, one of the questions that they ask in the VIP day is, What's your date? When do you want to leave? I don't leave that, that VIP day without asking them. I need a date. Let's pull out the calendar. And when do you want to leave? And then we reverse engineer that. That is so powerful. That intention, because we can always say oh, someday it'd be nice. That allows us to procrastinate and put things off and not do it. I love the fact that you set that intention right there and say, open up the calendar, pick a date, and then reverse engineer their plan to take action. That is game changing because it also is extra accountability in there too. Oh, yes. And that's the thing. So the VIP day is the first step. And then when I give them the living document that we reverse engineered with the plan and the strategy, we set a 30 days where I come back and I check in on them because I say, these are the things that you can do now while you're still working. So your corporate job or wherever you're currently working is your investor at this point. And I check back in 30 days. We have a follow-up call in 30 days. And usually we can move into coaching after that. But at that time, it's like, what have you done? Are you committed to leaving? And I know there's a lot on the internet, you know, quit your job. And I'm not necessarily promoting folks to quit their jobs. Because sometimes you have to stay there because, again, your job is your funder. Well, and it may be your benefits. It may be your retirement. There's a lot that goes into it, but there is no better time for anyone to start a business on the side. It was way harder when I was doing it. It is not that hard now. Actually, you don't even have to hide it. Back then, you had to hide it. Now, I think at this point, corporations just encourage it. Like, it's like, whatever's going to make y'all happy, do your thing, right? I that's how I feel. That's what I see on LinkedIn. I don't see a lot of folks really hiding that they are trying to develop a personal brand outside of their corporate job. It's so much easier now than ever to really do something on the side, especially now that a lot of organizations are being flexible with time. And I'm not suggesting that you need to work on your business while you're supposed to be at work. We work in integrity, but you can cut out a two-hour commute. That two hours that you were using commuting, now you can use to work on your business before you start working it. That's such a great way to look at it. Really honoring the fact that your job is supporting you and not buying into that notion of jump and knit the parachute on the way down. I hate that advice because that is so scary. It is setting you up for potential failure, anxiety, and everything else. So I really love the fact that you're looking at how can we bring 
your dream, your passion, something you want to do, your creative ambition to life without abandoning the thing that is paying your bills or providing your benefits or supporting your family? How can we do both and ease into this business and make that transition more realistic and less stressful? And I really love that you focus on supporting your clients through that year by setting that plan, that strategy with that VIP day, following up with them at that 30 day mark and then saying, hey, if you want coaching to help continue to do this, right, then stepping in. There are so many times we just need somebody to give us the direction and tell us what to do. And then we can do it and start building momentum. And then we need the coaching, the help, the support. Once we're building momentum. Exactly. You can build momentum in your business faster. At the end of the day, a lot of coaches coach because they have experience that they want to make sure their clients don't repeat a lot of the things that they did. Even for me, like I tell my clients, I was one of those people that was like, okay, I want my website. And luckily my friend was a web designer. So I didn't have to invest a lot of money, but I literally have a totally different website than I had when I first started. I was doing social media when I first started. So just imagine if I would have just paid someone thousands of dollars. There was a lot of things that I did that I tell my clients that they don't have to do especially when it comes to the money that they spend on their business. There are a lot of shiny objects. Should I get this program and that program? You don't need that program. If you have a service-based business and you're trying to get clients, you need something to schedule clients. That's all you need. You don't need a lot of these programs that are so robust and so hard to learn, not to mention expensive. Yes, they come in handy eventually, but they are expensive in the beginning. And you may not have the book of business to really get the, the most out of having those programs. And you're like, your business is not at a point where you're actually going to get a good ROI on this. It feels good because it makes us feel like we're successful and we need this good software. It takes a lot to say, I don't need that yet. I'm not quite there yet. I don't need that complexity yet. I'm okay starting with a simple solution. I'm okay with starting with a smaller solution and working my way up. And speaking of those things, I have a couple questions to ask. What other tool, trick, whatever do you wish you discovered earlier? I love Asana. I can get everything out of my head on Asana. And I have a VA and if it's something that I want her to do, I can just assign, I can put her name on it. And she goes in and she knows what to do. Like, I just, I love it. Folks have tried to get me to do other things. And sometimes I would try and I was like, no, Asana is simple, it's easy. And it's a free version. One day I may need the paid version, but right now the free version works for me. Another tool, and it took me a long time to use this just because I was like, my brain can remember. I can do it. But last pass. Oh, you and me both. But finally, one day I locked myself out of some program and I was like, okay, let me look into this last pass thing. And it was a lifesaver. It saved so much time and so much effort. I also like Notion for my content marketing. I actually purchased a template from a branding expert. So I didn't have to design it. She has a little video to show you how to use. It's like five minutes long. And she had me content brain dump because that's my issue at try different other programs and it didn't allow me to brain dump and I need to brain dump first. I love that. So let me ask you this. When things go not according to plan, when the day goes off the rails, what do you do to stay in a positive headspace? 
every day, at the end of the day, I have as much as I really fought against structure, I actually schedule everything. And I mean everything. A part of my schedule, Monday through Friday, it says end of the day shutdown. It is a bunch of bullets that things that I have to check, email, something I need to close, notes. And then it ends like, did you get through your calendar? Did you get through everything that you wanted to get through? If you didn't, bring it to the next day. Tawana, tomorrow is another day. I do something similar. I have a daily wrap up. That's the last chunk of my day. It's where I close out all the things from today and I set up what I'm going to do the next day. And it has changed so much about how I enter my family time and the evening and the weekends. And it's just really been game changing. I love, love, love that you do that too. And one thing I think I really appreciate is that you really walk your talk. Everything that you talk about with your clients, you're coming from a place of, I've been there, I've done this, I've tried this, here's what worked, here's what didn't. This is what I have experienced. Let's help you do better. Avoid those same trial by fire experiences. Let's make sure that you get to where you want to go with as much ease as possible. So if people want to learn more about this, if they want to connect with you, they want to check out your podcast, your VIP days, Tell us where people can find you. Sure, absolutely. So my website is TawanaToliver.com. Or you can put in She Creates Collective. I am on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at TawanaToliver, on Instagram as well as LinkedIn. I'm actually on Pinterest too. I repurpose a lot of my podcasts and a lot of my content on Pinterest. And my VIP days are... The offerings are up and running. I'll be talking about them on LinkedIn and Instagram. So please slide in my DMs as they say, if you want to learn more about my VIP days. And oh, my podcast is called Higher Than This. And it is on all the places that you get your podcast fixed. And if you go to my website, you can actually listen to the trailer as well as all of the episodes. It's a seasonal podcast. So we're off season now. Ooh, good time to catch up on past episodes. It's a great time to catch up. And I'm actually going to put together some podcast episodes that kind of go hand in hand and just say a listen again or catch up. And that's something I tell my clients all the time, especially if you're a content creator and you love to create content. When you have a lot of stuff that you've already created, get it out there again, because we assume that everybody has heard it and they have not. They have not. So just keep Keep pushing it out. Keep pushing your story, your message, your content. Share it again. The folks that are looking from the beginning, they won't get tired of you. They're just like, oh, yeah, I remember that episode. I think that is a fantastic way to close things out. It was such a great reminder to continue to get your message out there and remind people what you have to offer. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your journey of seeking satisfaction. Oh, I'm so glad to be on the program. This is amazing. I love talking about this. I talk about it all day. If you enjoyed this episode of Seeking Satisfaction, subscribe for new show updates at jenniferborn.com slash seeking satisfaction. And please leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you would like to hear more from Twana and learn the principles of the new C-suite framework and how you can ditch the employee mindset and step up as the leader of your business, check out 
about the Seeking Satisfaction Extra Minutes membership. Members receive extra minutes from podcast guests like Twana that provide valuable training to help you do better business. You can find details about the Extra Minutes membership and Twana's bonus training in the show notes at jenniferborn.com slash 005. Until next time, may you live inspired, embrace imperfection, seek satisfaction, and have a fabulous day.